Blog Talk Radio. This is Mandy Kinney. You are listening to Hashtag Just Saying with Mandy Kinney on Green Party Radio. Thank you so much for listening in. Um, To those of you who don't know what tonight's topic is, it is going to be the Civil War and all the refugees. Seriously? Get it? Play on words. Seriously? Because the Civil War is in Syria. And is it really a Civil War? We'll talk about that in a little while. Um, I want to first say thank you to Green Party Network, uh, our Green Party Radio Network, for um, allowing me to be on the show. And I want everybody to know there are shows basically every night of the week or every day of the week. Sunday, Green Party Radio is at 9 a.m. The Green Progressive is at 12 noon on Sundays, and this is all Eastern time. Monday is Real Talk with Chad Cushman at 7 p.m. Tuesday, hashtag just saying with Mandy Kinney, 7 p.m. every Tuesday. Wednesday, Green Party Radio at 9 a.m. Eastern again. And Thursday, Real Talk with Chad Cushman again at 7 p.m. Eastern. So um, we're trying to add more shows as we go. Um, I'm, I have stepped up my game, if you will, to do it every week instead of just every other week like I used to do. So, um, And that's as much as I think I can do for now because I try to do as much research as possible before my shows so that um, I can speak educatedly. Um, I like being right. So so I try not to talk about things if I don't know everything imaginable about them. Um, if anybody wants to call in at any time, you can. The phone number is 215-383-5796. And again, you're listening to hashtag just saying by Mandy Kinney or with Mandy Kinney. Okay. So are you wondering what the heck is going on in Syria with all the refugees and you keep hearing about it on the news? What's the history there? Who's right? Who's wrong? Which side does America support? All those things. Well, let me tell you first off, um, my background, I, I say this every show just to let everybody know, my background is not politics. I ignored pretty much all things like social studies for my whole life until this year. So I ignored like anything geography, history, political, you know, even like art I've just ignored it. Like, my, there's a bunch of history buffs in my family, and I guess I just wasn't really interested, so I kind of went the other direction. Um, my whole life I did athletics until a few years ago. Now I work full-time at a software company, and I'm, I pretend to be normal. Um, but I I am not, like, a, a political person. I'm not a historian by any means. But when Bernie Sanders was not getting much TV coverage, I started researching him because I wanted to know more. And the more I found out, the more I wanted to know. And the more I, the more I learned, the more I realized I didn't know uh, before. And I also noticed that our news is not telling us the whole truth. It's not out and out lying. And I don't necessarily think it's like a conspiracy or anything like that. But I do think that just like our government has become corporatized, or if that's a word, corporatized, um, I think that the the news networks, and it's not just I think, I mean, it's a proven fact. They're, they're owned by corporations. 
Um, there's like six major companies that own all of the networks on TV, anything you ever see on TV. Six major corporations own them. And those corporations happen to don- uh, donate money to different politicians and lobbyists. So, I mean, they're all kind of in bed together, if you will. So I want to know the truth. I want to know, like, what's really going on in places. And I keep hearing about the refugees, the refugees, the refugees. I hear how bad Vladimir Putin is. And it sure seemed like Hillary Clinton, I'm, I'm, I'm a very vulgar person. I apologize if I offend anybody right away. But it seemed like Hillary Clinton was trying to have a pissing competition with Vladimir Putin. And I just think everybody needs to put their genitalia away and um, come to, like, peaceful talks and actually, like, try to work with each other. Um, which is why, actually, my next show is going to be about Russia. And is Russia and Vladimir Putin, are they really that bad? Um, because I don't know, honestly. I mean, basically, our media makes it out to be like Vladimir Putin is the spawn of Satan and that Russia is the scariest thing in the world and that we have to hate them. But when I was researching the Syrian war, which we'll get into, um, really seems like Russia has the right stance and the United States has the wrong stance. Um, let me preface this by saying I love America. I do. I am I am blessed to be to have been born here. I was born and raised in the South. I like the South despite, you know, a lot of flaws with people down here. I I think there are good things too, southern hospitality. I like American people. I love my country. Um, but I do think that our government has been steered in the wrong direction. And like I said, the more I research, the more I find out that there's some scary stuff going on and our news is completely controlled and people are blind to it. They say ignorance is bliss. And it really is because I never worried about anything else in the world when I didn't know anything about the world. Um, but also, we're not just ignorant. We are fed partial truths and we are fed propaganda and um, bias. So I have some, some sound clips that I'm going to play too from people from all over the world talking about, um, you know, the, the, the Syrian conflict, the Syrian war, and the different perspectives on things because depending on who's talking, I mean, it's almost like it's a different war. So going back to the list of questions I had, um, mostly these were kind of, what, what's the deal with the refugees? What's the history there? Who's right and who's wrong in the war? You know, normally there's a, a good side and a bad side, right? Especially when you get terrorists involved, and I keep hearing about ISIS over there and Al-Qaeda, and I thought Al-Qaeda was kind of dead, but apparently they're not, but they change names and it gets all complicated. Um, and... Apparently, there's the, the Turks have, have gotten involved, and now, you know, all the countries over there are involved, and it just it seems very confusing, and even after all the research I did, I cannot, I'm not even going to claim for one minute that I understand it all, um, but I will tell you what I learned. And then which side does America support? Um, I always heard, you know, on, on the news I would hear uh, the Assad regime, Assad regime, so I thought, like, the Assad regime was like a terrorist group. <laughs> Because that's what they make it sound like on TV, right? No, Assad is the president or the dictator of Syria. And um, his regime is basically the Syrian government. So get that in your mind first. Because next time you watch the news or read the newspaper or hear anything 
if it's from America, they'll say the Assad regime. Well, that's really the government. The government, like it's like like that's saying the the Obama regime instead of the U.S. military. Like it's their government. They have the right to control their government, right? I mean, I think they're a sovereign nation, so they should. But anyway, so interestingly, the answers to all those questions, um, they changed with each video I watched. And each person who I've even discussed this with, every article I read from the, the you know, it even depended on the, the country of origin of the article. I had no idea of the level of complication that has to do with this Syrian war. Um, and then some, re- some say that the refugees are the fault of the dictator, Bashar al-Assad is his name. Um, some say it's because the ter- of the terrorists in Syria, because there are lots of terrorists there. But what's everyone fighting about? That's what I wanted to know. Like, what's the deal? Okay, so I'm going to tell you what I found. Of course, I'll insert my opinion, as I always do. Um, but it's important to know that the various, like, the, the different sides of these questions, you know, in order to, f- it's, it, it, it's important to know the questions and the answers in order to form a good opinion. So a lot of what I found, uh, I, I don't think you're going to hear a lot of Americans saying them out loud, um, but I'm going to do it. So if I have some kind of random weird accident that debilitates me or kills me, or if I randomly disappear, um, I can't tell you who did it, but it may be due to some of the things I'm about to tell you tonight because it's really scary and it's really crazy what's going on. Um, so there were like, there's been like seven basic, like big, several key events that have happened throughout the war and that fall into a few major categories. So basically, first, the uprising turned violent, then it descended into a civil war, then there have been war crimes, then there's been like chemical weapons, humanitarian crises, rebels and the rise of jihadists and peace efforts. So I mean, there's like all these things going on at the same time. And, and it's, super complicated and the the long and short of it is basically Bashar al-Assad was I think I'm saying his name right let me go look back and look Bashar Bashar al-Assad um his father was the dictator over Syria for like 30 years and actually Bashar al-Assad um, older brother was supposed to inherit the throne, if you will, or what the position, whatever you want to call it. Um, but, and his brother was like bred to be a dictator. He was bred to be authoritative, um, but he died in a car accident. So that left this Assad to, to step up and be the dictator. And this Assad went to school in London. He married a woman who, you know, grew up in London, and, and they're very westernized. I mean, she doesn't wear a hijab. You know, they're, they're Muslim, but they're a different, kind of a different sect of Muslim that's a little bit looser with the, the rules and everything. And they, if you see them together, they look very westernized. I mean, she's not, like, wearing a burqa and a hijab. She's, like, has, has like, a short little bob hairdo in some of the pictures, and they're, like, a beautiful couple. Um, so it's important to know that first off, because knowing where someone comes from, like this, the, the, Assad was not, uh, he, he was thrust into this position and of course he's not going to turn it down, but he was thrust into this position unexpectedly. So, um, let's just start with that. Okay. But I did read one article that summed it up and it was a pretty funny article. 
So it was from the website called Imgur, I-M-G-U-R, and it was titled, This Will Clear Everything Up For You. And it was from November 20th of last year. So it's a little out of date, but, I mean, the history is still the same. I'm just going to read the article because it's hilarious. President Assad, who is bad, is a nasty guy who got so nasty his people rebelled and the rebels, who are good, started winning. Hurrah! But then some of the rebels turned a bit nasty and are now called the Islamic State, who are definitely bad. And some continued to support the democracy, who are still good. So the Americans, who are good, started bombing Islamic State, who are bad, and giving arms to the Syrian rebels, who are good, so they could fight Assad, who is still bad, which was good. By the way, there is a breakaway state in the, in the north run by the Kurds who want to fight I, I, IS, which is, a good, which is short for ISIS, which is a good thing. But the Turkish authorities think they are bad. So we have to say that they are bad while secretly thinking that they're good and giving them guns to fight ISIS, which is good. But that's another matter. Getting back to Syria. So President Putin, who is bad because he invaded Crimea and Ukraine and killed lots of folks during or including that nice Russian man in London with polonium poison sushi, has decided to back Assad, who is still bad, by attacking ISIS, who are also bad, which is sort of a good thing. But Putin, still bad, thinks the Syrian rebels, who are good, are also bad. And so he bombs them too, much to the annoyance of the Americans, who are good, who are busy backing and arming the rebels, who are also good. Now, Iran who used to be bad, but now they have agreed not to build any nuclear weapons and bomb Israel, so now they're good, are going to provide ground troops to support Assad, still bad, as are the Russians, bad, who now have ground troops and aircraft in Syria. So a coalition of Assad, still bad, Putin, extra bad, and the Iranians, good but in a bad sort of way, are going to attack ISIS, who are, the, who are bad, which is a good thing, but also the Syrian rebels, who are good, which is bad. Now, the British really good, except that nice Mr. Corbin in the corduroy jacket, who's probably bad. And the Americans, also good, cannot attack Assad, still bad, for fear of upsetting Putin, bad, and Iran, they're good and bad. And now they have to accept that Assad might not be that bad after all compared to ISIS, who are super bad. So Assad, bad, is now probably good, being better than ISIS, but let's fake it. Let's face it, drinking your own wee is better than ISIS, so no real choice there. And since Putin and Iran are also fighting ISIS, that may now make them good. America, still good, will find it harm to arm a group of rebels being attacked by the Russians for fear of upsetting Mr. Putin, now good. And that nice, mad Ayatollah in Iran also good. And so they may be forced to say the rebels are now bad, or at the very least abandon them to their fate. This will lead most of them to flee to Turkey and onto Europe or join ISIS, still the only constantly bad group, to the Sunni Muslims, an attack by Shia Muslims, Assad, Assad and Iran, backed by Russians, will be seen as something of a holy war, and the ranks of ISIS will now be seen by the Sunnis as the only jihadis fighting in the holy war, and hence many Muslims will now see ISIS as good. Dope. Sunni Muslims will also see the lack of action of Britain and America in support of their Sunni rebel brothers as something of a betrayal. Hmm, might have a point. And hence, we will be seen as bad. So now we have America, now bad, and Britain, also bad, providing limited support to Sunni rebels, bad, 
many of whom are looking to ISIS, good and bad, for support against Assad, now good, who, along with Iran, also good, and Putin, also now unbelievably good, are attempting to retake the country Assad used to run before all this started. Now you fully understand everything. All your questions are answered, right? (laughs) So... That's it in a nutshell. Okay, show's over. You understand everything now, right? It's super complicated. There's so there's so many like different facets going on, and and there's different people getting involved at different times, and then people changing their name, and then you know people in the, the United States um, pretending they're not involved, but really backing people who are involved, who are involved with the wrong side, and it, it's just very complex. Um. I have uh, a a three-minute audio clip that kind of sums it up a little bit better than, a little more realistically than the article did. Um, It's a very high-level summary, obviously, because we're summing up, what, five years of war. But here it is. Half a decade of uninterrupted violence. 370,000 deaths. More than 11 million people displaced from their homes. That's like the entire state of Ohio. There's no end in sight. Syria devolved from peaceful demonstrations opposing an authoritarian regime in 2011 to a full-blown civil war. It's seen the rise of the Islamic State and outside superpowers drawn into the carnage. The result? The biggest humanitarian crisis in the world. So here's the situation. Since 1966, the Alawite minority, an offshoot of Shiite Islam, have been in power in Syria. This despite the fact that Alawites represent just 12% of the Syrian population. The Sunni Muslim population, however, represents around 60%. The current president, Bashar al-Assad, an Alawite, took over in 2000 after the death of his father, Syria's longtime ruler, Hafez al-Assad. Cut to 2011 and the Arab Spring. The world watched as uprisings in Tunisia and Egypt quickly toppled their respective dictators. Inspired by these events, Syrians took to the streets to protest the oppressive rule of Bashar al-Assad. But instead of stepping down, Assad violently crushed the peaceful uprisings using tanks, artillery, and gunships. Many of the protesters responded by arming themselves. That's when the conflict took on a sectarian nature. Sunnis from other parts of the Middle East, like the Saudis, threw their backing behind the rebels. Shiites, like the Iranians, gave their support to the regime. Meanwhile, the jihadists of the Islamic State, which used the turmoil to seize territory, attacked both sides. Then there are major powers like the U.S. and Russia. After a poison attack in 2013, the U.S. and Russia cooperate to get U.N. inspectors to destroy Syria's known chemical weapons. But in general, the two powers have skewed in very different directions over this war. Simply put, the U.S. is against Assad and Russia supports him. Russia has used its U.N. Security Council veto repeatedly to protect the regime. Both countries are actively fighting inside Syria against Islamic State and an al-Qaeda spin-off in the name of combating terrorism. But Russia uses the terrorist tag to bomb other groups opposing Assad, including rebels supported by the U.S. and its allies. Finally, there are the Syrian civilians in the middle of all of this. Devastated by the fighting and destruction, Syrians are fleeing by the millions into neighboring countries, straining resources and creating a global refugee crisis. Now here's the argument. The U.S. and Russia agree on the need to end the war, but not on how. For years, the U.S. has insisted Assad must go, but has since softened its stance on the dictator in the interest of the broader fight against the Islamic State. Meanwhile, Russia says it wants to keep Syria sovereign and independent by backing Assad. 
Several efforts to resolve the conflict through negotiations have failed. Neither side has had enough of an advantage in this war to get the other to compromise on terms for peace, nor has either been willing to do so for the sake of Syria. Okay, so that was a little bit more factual, not quite as, you know, opinionated. But um, as you can tell, it's, it's, it's complicated. Like, it's very complicated. Um, so I, what I wanted to know first off is who is the bad guy? Who's the bad guy? So, and who all is involved? So in looking at that, um, I was looking at who all is involved, and it gets kind of sticky because it's really confusing. But basically, from what I can understand, um, there's multiple sides, right? So there's the side of the Syrian government. So obviously, and, and again, that's the Syrian government, which you'll hear as the Assad regime, but it's the Syrian government. The, so obviously the Syrian army is is on that side. Russia, and they're actually the only foreign power that has its like military assets openly stationed there. So there may be others, but they're the only ones who are admittedly like have boots on the ground there. Also to a smaller extent or a different capacity, Iran, Hezbollah, Venezuela, North Korea, which I was surprised about. I didn't know North Korea like really bonded with anybody, but North Korea, Algeria, Iraq, and Lebanon. So all of those are basically like on the Assad regime or the, the Syrian government side, right? So then there's the opposition rebels. And I, at first I thought there was just like one group of oppositions, right? But there's like all these different oppositions. It, it, it's confusing. So there's the Syrian National Coalition And they actually receive financial, logistical, political, and in some cases military support from um, major Sunni states in the Middle East who are allied with people from the West, like with the U.S., and mostly from Saudi Arabia, Qatar, and Turkey. So the opposition rebels, like the Syrian National Coalition, is receiving military support from our ally, the United States allies, which are Saudi Arabia, Qatar, and Turkey. So we're giving Saudi Arabia, Qatar, Turkey money uh, and and guns and everything, and they are in turn giving it to the Syrian National Coalition. So you would think that these people are are good, right? Um, And then the FSA, or the Free Syria Army, it was founded in July 29th of 2011 by officers of the Syrian Armed Forces who said that their goal was to bring down the Assad government. Um, So these are basically like, you know, government officials who who turned rogue and decided to go against the government. Um, And they were considered the main Syrian military defectors um, in late 2011. But then from like July 2012 until now, dissension within the organization weakened it and jihadist groups became more dominant over their, the armed opposition. So basically they've been overrun by terrorists. Um, since 2014, many people have been skeptic concerning the FSA and its structure, saying many people call themselves part of the Free Syrian Army, but people question their actual existence anymore. So we're not really sure if FSA necessarily exists exist there. And no, I'm not talking about flexible spending account with the IRS. I'm talking about the Free Syria Army. Then there's also rebels who are considered part of the opposition. So, But these are the ones that are not considered terrorists. So there's rebels who are terrorists and there's rebels who are not considered terrorists by America. Now, 
by the rest of the world is a whole other story. But it, it, as far as America is concerned, so these rebels, um, they are all they're they're basically they're provided political, military, and logistical support from the opposition as well as uh, rebel groups in Syria that are not designated by them as terrorists. So basically, um, there's like little factions here and there. So the U.S., France, and the U.K. supply things to them. Now, there's multiple sets of rebels that are considered to be terrorists. There's ISIS, which is the Islamic State of Israel and Syria. There's ISIL, which I swear, like I, I read an article maybe a few weeks ago, um, that basically said that ISIL that didn't exist, and that was something that uh, it was like a, a phrase or an acronym that no one other than Obama used, and that he made it up. But then I saw references to it in multiple articles, so I, I mean, I'm gonna say that one article was wrong. But so there's ISIS, which is the Islamic State of Israel and Syria, ISIL, which is Islamic State of Iraq and the Levant, Levant, Levant. Um, and they receive support from several non-state groups and organizations from across the Muslim world, so not just like these countries that we've listed before. And then Jabhat al-Nusra. So that's the group that it used to be al-Qaeda, and it like split from al-Qaeda. But then in July of this year, they so it split from al-Qaeda and changed its name to Jabhat al-Nusra instead of al-Qaeda. Then in July of this year, it changed its name again to Jabhat Fatah. Fatah al-Sham. You can tell I don't know Arab at all. So it changed its name again. I'm sure it means something. I don't know what I didn't. I didn't care enough to look. Um, but I knew, I wanted to know who was right, who was wrong, who was bad, who was good, you know, whatever. So I watched the Syrian War. I watched all these different YouTube videos. And I try to see, like, every side of an argument. So I really honestly tried to just tr- find the truth. Like, because, like I said, I, I'm ignorant, I am naive, I have not paid attention to any of this stuff until, like, this year. So I really don't have much of a bias because I really don't know anything about anything. I know it's, like, self-deprecating. I probably shouldn't admit that out loud, but it's true. But I'm trying to rectify that, and I'm researching a whole lot and trying to learn. I'm like a sponge, like, soaking things up these days. But um, I watched one video it was called The Syrian War Explained by Vox, and it actually had complete contradictory information from everything else that I had read. So, it, again, depending on where the, who the source is, you get different information. So they said that the Syrian government started, started the whole civil war by shooting into a crowd of peaceful protesters and that, was, and that that was the beginning of the war. They said that Assad ordered chemical warfare that killed thousands of civilians. They said that Russia entered the war saying they would fight ISIS, but they have actually only fought the rebels who Americans, America supports, so the non-terrorist rebels. So then I watched another video that explained a different aspect of it, and it said that a lot of this is the division of land in the Middle East, um, and it was because the different sects of the Muslim faith. So there's two big ones, which is like Shiite and and Sunni. Um, Iran is a Shiite leader. Iraq is now Shiite. And then Syria was mostly Sunni, but the leader is technically Shiite, but it's a different kind of Shiite. So it's all confusing. So Assad has, it, it, it also said that Assad had the government shoot at peaceful protests in 2011. 
and that there were many groups of people and all of them wanted to get rid of. And then Russia and China are both allies with Assad now. Russia got chemical weapons out of Syria. That's what this this video said. Um, And then Turkey is arming other rebel groups. So, like, there's all these rebels. Are they fighting each other? Are they fighting Assad? Who knows? They're all, like, it's all confusing, right? So um, I wanted to know kind of a little bit more about Assad. Like, is he is he bad? Is he good? You know, I, I read a little bit about his upbringing, and, you know, his dad was a dictator and very authoritative. And, you know, in America, we're kind of indoctrined to believe dictators are bad, dictators are bad. But are they? I, I mean, I don't know. Like I said, I'm ignorant. I haven't paid attention the rest of my life. So is it really that bad? I don't know. Um, apparently, he really modernized Syria. So he did a lot of good things for Syria. Um, and apparently, Assad, when he first came into power, really wanted to kind of westernize Syria and wanted to um, really modernize it even more. So I found this YouTube video that painted an interesting picture of Assad because it's like this very sweet sounding girl with lighthearted music in the background and she sounds so sincere and she sounds very educated. She's, um, I'm going to say she's American, but everything that she said was like the complete opposite of what I had just read. So listen here. As Syria struggles through an ongoing civil war and the terrorist group ISIS spreads through the region, there seems to be one person being blamed for the significant decline of the Middle Eastern country, Bashar al-Assad. So is Assad destroying Syria? Well, Syria was already suffering from a dynastic authoritarian regime since Assad's father seized power in the 1970s in a coup d'etat. When Bashar took over as the nepotistic ruler of Syria in 2000, he continued his father's repressive regime. He instigated severe crackdowns on any political dissent, private or public. The resulting backlash forced him to release a number of political prisoners to ease tensions. But it didn't work. By 2011, when much of the Arab world was revolting during the Arab Spring, Assad authorized the release of a significant number of terrorist leaders from prison. These terrorists would soon after regroup to form ISIS. This, coupled with violent crackdowns on protesters, turned the Arab Spring into an armed rebellion by the Syrian opposition, pitting the Sunni Muslim majority against Assad's Alawite Shia minority. As the civil war progressed, Assad continued arresting citizens and was personally implicated in a number of war crimes by the UN, including the imprisonment and killing of his own citizens. By 2015, some 200,000 political prisoners alone had been jailed for speaking out against the regime. Although most of the Arab League, along with the U.S. and EU, have demanded that Assad step down as president, he instead ran for a third term in 2014. His victory was widely considered illegitimate and the votes faked or coerced. Recent reports suggest that Assad has been assisting ISIS militarily in their spread across Syria. In the meantime, Assad's actions have forced 6.5 million residents out of their homes and 3 million out of the country as well as decimating the economy and military. Reports say that Syria would not return to pre-civil war conditions for another 30 years at least, following the end of the conflict. In short, Bashar al-Assad is not only destroying Syria, but essentially helped facilitate the formation and rise of ISIS. To learn about where they're going, check out our video. Nine and a half million Syrians have been forced to flee their homes. Over three million of those have fled the country. There's a link to that video in the description below. Thanks so much for watching Test News.
Okay, so that was test tube news. And that that girl sounded very educated, and she sounded very confident and very sure of herself. And, and I mean, she convinced me, right, from a whole bunch of stuff, uh, other stuff that I read and saw. So I'm like, I don't get it. Every video provides different information and, and a different perspective. And from what I can tell, basically, actually, all sides have been guilty of ki- killing innocent civilians. Whether the deaths are intentional or, or not, I mean, whether they're in error or, or done on purpose, there's still people who have died in this war, like innocent, innocent people. And in addition to outright murders of individuals and mass killings by, like, car bombs and airstrikes, humanitarian aid has been prevented from being delivered. So, it, like, in many areas, not all areas. But in a lot of places, the rebels are preventing the civilians from fleeing Syria, and they're holding the innocent people hostage. They repeatedly set off car bombs and shoot innocent people daily when they're trying to, if they try to escape in the areas where they maintain control. So the Syrian army and Russia have have also hurt people. So the, you know, so the, those were the the rebels hurt a lot of, you know, are hurting people. They're keeping them hostage, whatever. But the Syrian army and Russia have also killed innocent civilians, including women and children, multiple times this year alone. In fact, this year alone, there were so many different reports that I saw. And I don't think, it doesn't seem like they are actually trying to hurt them. It's like for missiles and things. So their attempt is to take out the rebels. But sometimes the innocent civilians also have paid the ultimate price of, of dying. Um, but then again, the United States is not innocent. Even the United States has been has found to have killed many innocent civilians. In fact, um, on July 19th of this year, actually, a U.S.-led coalition airstrike hit the city of Manbij, Man, Man which was controlled by the Islamic State. So, uh, you know, we were we were theory trying to to hit terrorists. But we actually ended up killing 56 civilians, and 11, including 11 children, and injured dozens more. And then on September 17th of this year, the U.S. accidentally targeted the Syrian ambassador, I'm, I'm sorry, the Syrian army, um, rather than ISIS, and killed at least 62 Syrian troops fighting ISIS. So the Syrian troops were, were directly fighting ISIS, and America thought that we were dropping a bomb on ISIS, but oh, whoops, no, we killed a bunch of Syrian soldiers. And that was during a ceasefire. So then Russia went to the UN and was like, um, America is obviously facilitating ISIS because they just killed Syrian soldiers who were helping fight against ISIS, right? So it's just all messed up. But America's killed all these people too. And then Russia's uh, UN ambassador said that the U.S. airstrike put a very big question mark over the future of the U.S. and Russian brokered ceasefire agreement in Syria. Because, like I said, they had a ceasefire just days before that. And then it added um, in his – and then he said in, in, in all of the decades uh, of a di- as a diplomat, he had, quote, never seen such an extraordinary display of American – heavy-handedness as we are witnessing today. But, again, don't think the U.S. is the only one. Like I said, all sides have killed innocent civilians. All sides have. Whether it's intentional or unintentional, all sides are killing innocent civilians. None have killed as many as as the, the rebels that are considered terrorists. So, I mean, obviously, 
you know, they're the bad guys. But that audio that we just listened to made it sure made Assad sound like an evil guy, right? And you look at a picture of him and he looks like super sweet and kind of like he looks like he's shy and his wife looks like she's shy. And I'm like, really? Is he really that evil? But, I mean, that girl was very convincing, right? And then I watched another interview um, with this American guy. And I'm like, okay, so what's – obviously I kind of know the American stance because I'm American. So I'm like, okay, so what, what does the American government tell us? What, what is our stance? So America's stance is basically that Assad, like that girl said, is an evil dictator. And when the citizens decided to overthrow the government, we supported that idea because we're constantly for regime change. We're constantly for overthrowing dictatorships, for government, you know, whatever. We like to go and cause all kinds of coup d'etat and and assert ourselves. And we do. Like whether, whether it's good or bad, whether you agree with it or not, that's fact. We do. We have a history of doing this throughout the world. Right. So I watched an interview with this, with an American representative. Um, it's about two minutes long. And it was it was he was a guy in Boston saying that most people are not being held hostage, which all the research I found said that they are being held hostage and the government forces are taking eastern Aleppo. Like, listen to his terminology, because. Keep in mind, when he talks about the government forces, he's talking about their army their own government, their own army, right? And he's criticizing basically like their own army. So listen to this. These being reunited with their loved ones that they haven't seen for a long period of time. In many respects, it's a good news story. Why do you think Western leaders are still being so negative? Well, what's gone on in Aleppo is, a, is an extraordinary tragedy. Uh, and while, uh, I mean, you use the word liberated, uh, perhaps more neutrally, one might say that the government forces are taking uh, eastern Aleppo. It's uh, been done at, at an enormous cost of life, along with, uh, you know, aerial bombardment and, and, and shelling. Uh, uh, so, you know, I think people are naturally concerned about the way in which it is being done. Uh, you know, but one has to accept also that on the other side that you have a mixture of people, some of whom are rebels that the Western countries supported, and uh, some of whom are extremists uh, like uh, Jabhat al-Nusra, the uh, Syria's al-Qaeda uh, affiliate. Sure, maybe the word relief would be a better word to describe the situation, Peter, but I suppose from the West, from Russia and Syria's point of view, they say, look, we are tackling terrorists and militants, many of whom have held these people hostage for years. Why can't you accept that this has now been, this area has now been liberated? Well, uh, because uh, even if uh, uh, terrorists were holding people hostage, and I think that's uh, uh, not true for the, for the entire area, I mean, the, there are, there are uh, moderate uh, fighters who simply oppose the Syrian government there. Uh, there also uh, are extremists. Uh, but that doesn't justify uh, some of the uh, tactics that have been used, the use of barrel bombs, uh, 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 shelling into civilian areas. There's just been a huge loss of life as part of the military operation. And I think uh, regardless of what side you're on or how you view the situation, uh, that is really a, a terrible, and, and people are rightly are right to be concerned about it. Right. 
huge loss of life. Huge loss of life as part of the military operation because the government is trying to govern. And he says that they, they're taking Eastern Aleppo. Right, they're taking it back. It's theirs. It's the government's land. It's the government's area. It's the, I mean, that guy, I mean, after listening to him, I was like, wow. Like, he wasn't convincing. That sweet little girl with the sweet voice and the sweet music, that kind of convinced me a little bit. And I was like, oh, okay, I saw this. He, he must be evil. He's the devil. But this guy here, I was like, dude, he, I, I don't think he's ever been to, to, to Syria. I don't think he's ever researched any of it. I think he's like, basically, he's been briefed and he's like a, a, a talking head for whatever he's heard. Because what he said directly contradicts the vast majority of the research that I did, the vast majority of what I read. For him to say that he doesn't think that people are being held hostage by the, the terrorists, by the rebels, that's just factually incorrect. It is incorrect, right? So, but let's say you believe him, you know, whatever, that's fine. You can believe him. Um, but then I was like, okay, well, Despite what, I, what, what many of us wish, Trump is going to be the next president unless something crazy happens. But he's the president-elect. So I, I, I wanted to know what he had to say. And the, um, the YouTube video I watched is called Trump Telling the Truth of the War on Syria. And I, I have to preface this all the time. I do not like Trump. I think he's a horrible president-elect. I think he's an awful person. I, 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 there's not much about that man that I like. I mean, other than his hair. His hair is awesome, of course. Um, but he just is just – he's just awful, in my opinion, just awful. But I agree with what he says here. Okay. You came across to me as if you welcomed Putin's involvement in Syria. You said it was sort of like you didn't. You saw very little downside. Why? I'll tell you what. I I am somebody that, and you know, I've been saying this to you for a long time. I want our military to be beyond anything, no contest, and technologically, most importantly, because you're getting now militaries have to be technologically advanced. So we probably have a big advantage. We do have a big advantage of that. But we are going to get bogged down in Syria. If you look at what happened with the Soviet Union in Afghanistan, that's when they went bankrupt. They went bankrupt. They were there so long, so you fought think, so hard. You, you think Putin's going to get They're suckered They're going to get bogged down. Everybody that's touched the Middle East, they've gotten bogged down. Now, Putin wants to go in. Putin does not want ISIS. I know they haven't hit him as hard as they should be hitting him. Because They're hitting Assad. They're hitting people we've trained. Well, excuse me. We're, they're hitting people. We're talking about people that we don't even know. Right. The rebel group, we have no idea. I was talking to a general two days ago. He said, we have no idea who these people are. We're training people. We don't know who they are. We're giving them billions of dollars to fight Assad. And you know what? It's very I'm not saying Assad's a good guy because he's probably a bad guy. But I've watched him interviewed many times. And you can make the case, if you look at Libya, look what we did there. Mm -hmm. It's a mess. If you look at Saddam Hussein with Iraq, look what we did there. It's a mess. It's going to be the same thing. Do you think the Middle East would be better today if Gaddafi, Saddam, and Assad were sort of, uh, if, if Saddam and Gaddafi were still there, 
and Assad were stronger? Not even Do you think a, the Middle East would be safer? It's not even a contest, Jack. It's not even a contest. Iraq is a disaster. And so it would be better off out, if Saddam were in charge. Don't forget, ISIS came out of Iraq. Right. It was no, like the leftovers that didn't get well, taken care of. Let me button this up. If Saddam and Gaddafi, you think things would be more stable? Of course stable? it would be. You wouldn't have had your Benghazi situation, which is one thing, which was just a terrible situation. But of course it would. Libya is is not even nobody even knows what's going on over there. It's not even a country so anymore. You welcome Putin's involvement. I like that Putin is bombing the hell out of ISIS, and it's going to be ISIS. I'll tell you why. Putin has to get rid of ISIS because Putin doesn't want ISIS coming into Russia. Why do you trust him and nobody else does? I don't trust him. I don't trust him at all, other than we both got very good ratings the other night on 60 Minutes because it was with me and Putin. Can you believe this? Uh, of all there things, you go. Right? So I don't know. Did I get the ratings or did he? But the truth is it's not a question of trust. I don't want to see the United States. We've spent now, we've spent two trillion in Iraq, probably a trillion in Afghanistan. We're in there. We're destroying our country. We owe 19 trillion dollars. We're bogged down. Russia was bogged down in Afghanistan, meaning the Soviet Union. It broke up the Soviet Union. They're going to get bogged down. You watch. As sure as you're sitting there, and I'm the one that said, don't do. See, you would Chuck, retreat. I said, you, don't you do would, Iraq. You would sort of, you would pull out of what we're doing in Syria no, right I'd now. No, I sit back, and this is not usually me talking, yeah. okay, because I'm very proactive, right. as you probably know. I know. But, but I would sit back, and let's see what's going on. Here's the problem to, to what you're saying in Syria. Mm -hmm. We are fighting Assad, and we're fighting for people and helping people that we don't even know who they are. And they may be worse than Assad. They may be worse, okay? They may be worse. And if Assad, if Assad never happened, if you didn't have a problem in Syria, you wouldn't have the migration. You wouldn't be talking about all of these countries with what's going on in Europe, and now they're talking about taking 200,000 people that we don't even know who they are and bringing them to the United States. The whole thing is ridiculous. So I'm not justifying Putin. But you watch. He'll get bogged down there. He'll be there. He'll spend a fortune. He'll be begging to get out. Everybody that's gone to the Middle East has had nothing but problems. So, President Trump, you're going to make our footprint in the Middle East smaller. Well, if you remember, number one, in 03, 04, no, I, I didn't want to be there. But, but if you get in office in 17, you're they got shrinking out the wrong. footprint. I wanted to take the oil, okay? Right. I wanted to take the oil. You know who has the oil now? Iran has the oil. ISIS has the oil. You know who the biggest customer of the oil is? China. You know how much they spent? Nothing. They're the ones getting the oil, but ISIS has right. it. Iraq has a little bit, but and there really is no Iraq. If you think about it, Chuck, there really is no Iraq. Iraq is a corrupt group of people. That's all. All right. So, like I said, I, I hate to admit this out loud. I hate it, hate it, hate it. But I agree with Trump. I do. I think we need to make our footprint smaller in the Middle East. Not non-existent, but I do think that we need to butt out. And I think it seems like we're on the wrong side. It does. So I wanted to know more about Assad. So I was like, okay, well, what does Assad have to say about all of this? So in an interview, and this was like last year, but the press said the civil war has been going on for four years. What is now left of Syria? And Assad's response. If they talk about the infrastructure, much of it is destroyed. But it's about the people, what the people left. That is the question. And it comes as it resists this dark ideology that have brought from different countries this terrorist. I think the majority of people, regardless of the political color, now supports their government, continues supporting the unity of Syria, 
and thus an, an integrated society, which is composed of a multicolored spectrum. You want to say everything is on one side, even the United Nations? Of course, definitely, it is politicized. Even the UN, which is indeed controlled by the U.S., and the U.S. is against Syria. You want to do research? Then come to Syria. And that leads perfectly to the next um, apart. And, and I know I'm playing a lot of clips, but that is because this is all very confusing. But I, this is the, these are the, the next three clips are the best clips I have heard in, you know, about any politics of any sort. It's, um, it's actually just from a few days ago from a Canadian journalist named Eva Bartlett. Um, and the, the first one, she's talking about, like, the Western media and how the news is fake. Um, and then uh, we'll go from there. But she, she was at a U.N. press briefing because she just left Aleppo, um, or she just got back from there. And she uh, has spent a lot of time there. And she speaks fluent Arab, apparently. So she's, like, made friends there and everything. So listen to what she has to say. She'll blow your mind. on something that Sarah Flounders mentioned, which is that uh, today in the General Assembly, the representative of my country, Canada, is raising or has raised a resolution which is not about human rights. It's not about uh, the people of Syria. It's a resolution meant to point fingers and to vilify the governments of Syria and Russia. And this resolution relates to a UN Security Council resolution that was vetoed by Russia and China some days ago. That resolution pertained to another useless ceasefire in Syria, which would have no bearing on, uh, no, bring no good to the people of Syria, and which follows um, a week of liberation of areas of Aleppo, which now amounts to about 95% of areas of Aleppo that have been occupied for years by terrorist factions. So at this time, when 100,000 civilians in these areas occupied for years by terrorist factions have been liberated, the UN, uh, parties in the UN wanted to impose another ceasefire. And I, I want to remind people why these ceasefires are indeed pointless. The last ceasefire in September was from the very um, start negated by 20 main terrorist factions who declared they were not going to participate and from the very beginning violated the ceasefire over 300 times during the duration of the ceasefire. And not only these terrorist factions, while the Syrians and while the Russians um, adhered to the tenets of the ceasefire, but the American-led coalition itself violated the ceasefire by targeting Syrian army positions in Deir ez-Zor, killing at least 83 Syrian soldiers in a prolonged attack that lasted nearly one hour and which enabled ISIS to, over to overtake that position. So this is one reason why a ceasefire is pointless at this point in time. There is no faith that any of the parties that the U.S. and Western leaders who uh, have funded these terrorists, there's no faith that they can actually control the terrorists and get them to adhere to a ceasefire. And the people of Aleppo want Aleppo to be completely freed. And I speak having been to Aleppo four times, and this is the will of people in Aleppo. Um, so on that note, I'd just like to talk about um, briefly, I've been to Syria six times since 2014, two of which were with um, international delegations and four times were independently on a visa I applied for, paid for and waited for. Um, my trips have been self-funded or fundraised and I've gone at my own risk and been able to travel freely in the country to areas I wish to travel to. 
I've been many times to Homs, to Malula, to Latakia, Tartus, um, Sias, Sueda, and again, Aleppo four times. And I mention these because I think it's important people realize I have, in, wherever I've gone, I've spoken in Arabic to the people I'm speaking with. What uh, Donna, what Sarah have said, the, that the people support their army and government is absolutely true. Whatever you hear in the corporate media is the complete opposite. And on that note, what you hear in the corporate media, and I will name them, BBC, Guardian, New York Times, etc., on Aleppo is also opposite of reality. Aleppo since 2012 has been inhabited by different terrorist factions, among them al-Nusra, among them the so-called Free Syrian Army, which has committed the same heinous acts of terrorism as al-Nusra, as ISIS, as Ahad al-Sham, as Nur al-Din al-Zinki, which beheaded a 12-year-old Palestinian child and somehow is still deemed moderate. Um, since 2012, these areas of Aleppo, which have now recently been freed, um, their occupation by these terrorist factions has meant the greater Aleppo, the 1.5 million plus population of greater Aleppo have suffered sieges denying them food and medicine, they've suffered for years a want of electricity and water, and they've suffered daily bombardment by these terrorists of mortars, of gas canister bombs which are improvised and made locally, of water heater bombs which are even more powerful and can level um, floors of entire buildings, of conventional weapons like grad rockets supplied by the West, and etc. As I said, they've suffered these uh, attacks on a daily basis, and even now, because there are still Western-backed terrorists in pockets of Aleppo, there are still mortars and gas canister bombs raining down, and people are still dying in Aleppo. This is another reason why the liberation and securing of these areas is imperative, because that will actually bring peace to Aleppo. Now, um, my colleagues here... All right, and I cut it short, because the, the audio is actually like a few hours long. Um, brave. That's all I'm saying. I mean, she's brave. Not only is she going to Aleppo on her own and going to Syria in order to find the truth, but she also is speaking truth against the the Western media, against the status quo, you know. Um, and another part of that same thing, this one's only a couple of minutes, so it's not quite as long. Um, but she goes on about the destruction uh, um, and how it's not just to the material items, it's to the people. Of aerial bombings above ground. And I make this point because people talk about the destruction in Aleppo as if the physical destruction matters. It's the people that the Syrian government and the Syrian people care about. And the destruction in areas occupied by terrorists occurs because the terrorists are bunkering below ground, come up above ground, fire their bombs on civilian populations, and go back below ground. So um, I just want to address a few other myths. Um, some of the myths that have been about Aleppo and Syria in general have been that the Syrian government and army are starving the population. Again, I refer to testimonies of people, even people I met with in November. I met with a family of displaced people from Al-Halak, which is north of Bustan al-Pasha, which was an area, both areas occupied by terrorists. At that time, when I met them on November 10th, he told me that they had fled along with about 40 others on about 20 days prior, and that they had tried twice prior to flee, but they were prevented violently so from doing so by the terrorists that inhabited those areas. Um, this is the case, these are the testimonies coming out of Aleppo now, people saying, we tried to flee, they wouldn't let us, they shot at us. There are also videos showing people who did manage to flee coming under fire and the Syrian army actually protecting them, acting as human shields. So that's to say that what we've been hearing in the corporate media is not depicting an accurate uh, image of what's happening in Aleppo. 
the corporate media is saying that the Syrian army is attacking people, and until today, the corporate media is maintaining this, even though the exact opposite is true. Uh, I would ask you to follow the voices of people in Syria who, like my colleagues here said, they want you to speak the truth. They don't, they're tired of lies. They're very, aware, very well aware of the lies that our media is purporting and that our human rights groups are purporting. They want an end to the violence. They don't want this war to continue. They didn't ask for this war. But as uh, my colleagues stressed, Syria is a sovereign nation. It has the right to fight against terrorism. And we know that 101 of 193 UN member states have sent terrorists to Syria to slaughter and destroy. So Syria is fighting a war against terrorism. It's winning in Aleppo. And hopefully, hopefully either the terrorists will accept a deal to be transported out of Aleppo. Hopefully, they will participate in the Musalaha, the re reconciliation, will lay down their arms, will take the amnesty offered to them by the government, and which has been um, taken by thousands of former militants. And hopefully, above all, the U.S. will stop supporting terrorism and stop funding terrorism. And hopefully this new bill will take fire, will, take, uh, will, will be supported, and actually it will be impossible to fund an armed. All right. And again, I had to cut it short. Um, but, yeah, so she's, I mean, she is, is speaking from a place of, of truth and fact and uh, I mean first hand knowledge so I have to put a little bit more weight into what she's saying than the guy in Boston who sounds like he's he was just reading off bullet points you know I I, I and if you if you can go google this too just do Canadian journalist Eva Bartlett or Canadian journalist um, speaks the truth. I mean, there's all kinds of videos out there, but it was at a UN meeting, and it's a legitimate UN meeting, and you can actually watch the whole UN conference. Um, but she's she's so passionate about this that you can really, I mean, she's not lying. She's not saying anything, like, for her own agenda. She's not, there's no reason for her to 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 lie about any of this, right? Um, and the next Next clip is my favorite because um, I don't I don't like smug people. I don't like people who I like sarcasm as long as it's not at the expense of someone else. As long as it's just like kind of fun and, and lighthearted. But this guy just seems like a total jerk, and he is. Um, I guess he's a journalist in, in the press conference in the UN press conference, and he starts questioning her. Uh, I'm Christopher Rodenberg with the Norwegian newspaper Often Posten. Uh, a question for, um, or two questions for Ms. Bartlett here. Um, as a journalist, I, I'm sure you can appreciate uh, getting other uh, impressions than empirical impressions from the ground. When you talk about the Syrian people and what the Syrian people want, how can you quantify that? Uh, do you have any independent uh, uh, surveys uh, where, where you can actually um, document that. And, and secondly, um, you talk about the corporate media, the Western media, the lies uh, and all of this. Uh, could you explain what you think might be the agenda from us in the uh, Western media and why we should lie, why the uh, international organizations on the ground should lie, why we shouldn't believe all these uh, ac absolutely uh, documentable uh, facts that we see from the ground, these hospitals being bombed, these civilians who are talking about the atrocities that they have been experiencing. Um, 
how can you justify calling all of us liars? Sure. Thank um, you. I mean, there are certainly honest journalists amongst the very um, compromised establishment media. Let's start with your second question. So, international organizations on the ground. Tell me which ones are on the ground in Eastern Aleppo. Yeah, okay, I'll tell you, there are none. There are none. These organizations are relying on the Syrian Observatory for Human Rights, which is based in Coventry, UK, and which is one man. They're relying on compromised groups like um, the White Helmets, which, let's, let's talk about the White Helmets. The White Helmets were, funded, were founded in 2013 by a British ex-military officer. They have been fa uh, funded to the tune of $100 million by the US, UK, and Europe, and other states. They purport to be rescuing civilians in eastern Aleppo and Idlib, yet no one in eastern Aleppo has heard of them. And I say no one, bearing in mind that now 95% of these areas of eastern Aleppo are liberated. The White Helmets purport to be neutral, yet they can be found um, carrying guns and standing in the dead bodies of Syrian soldiers. And uh, their video footage actually contains uh, children that have been recycled in different reports. So you can find a girl named Aya who turns up in a report in month, say, August, and she turns up in the next month in two different locations. So they are not credible. The SOHR is not credible. Unnamed activists are not credible. Once or twice, maybe, but every time, not credible. So your sources on the ground, you don't have them. Um, as for your agenda, not your, but the agenda of some corporate media, it is the agenda of regime change. How can the New York Times, I was reading it this morning, or how can Democracy Now!, which I was reading the other day, maintain until this day that this is a civil war in Syria? How can they maintain until this day that, there were that the protests were unarmed and nonviolent until, say, 2012? That is absolutely not true. How can they maintain that the Syrian government is attacking civilians in Aleppo when every person that's coming out of these areas occupied by terrorists is saying the opposite? Wow. Wow. Go Eva. Go Eva. Go Eva. I mean, she put him in his place. And he, I mean, granted, he's a westernized, you know, journalist, so she was probably, you know, offending him by saying the western media is lying, 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 lying. And he's probably reporting whatever information he received. But for, I, I mean, he asked her what studies have been done over there. Really? Or surveys. Really? Are you going to do a survey in a, in a war zone? Like, I mean, how does that happen? You, know, you take a clipboard around with paper on it and a pen, and you say, hey, can you tell me how you feel about this or that? No. You talk to people. You, you, you're, you go civil, you know, like live amongst them like she has. I mean, if anybody, it sounds like she is a forefront expert. And, I mean, this was just a few days ago. So we're being, I mean, I said at the beginning, we're not being out and out lied to, but maybe sometimes we are. Maybe we are, because that first clip that we listened to of that sweet girl's voice who sounded so rehearsed and educated and the sweet, soft music in the background, and she talked about how 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 evil Assad is and how mean he is and how he's killing some innocent people. Well, guess what? So is the United States. So are the terrorists. So is Russia. Now, the difference is Assad, Russia, 
and the United States have not meant civilians, whereas the rebels have. So form your own opinion. I have a whole, whole lot more research that I've done. I'm going to put a long article that um, I've written on MandyKinney.com tomorrow. So, and yes, I, I know that's crazy that I have a website with my name, but it's long story behind it, but www.MandyKinney.com. Um, and you can you'll read the rest of this because I have like a, a summary of the whole timeline of the Syrian war leading up until right like today, but I'm just, I'm running out of time. Um, but I, I do have to say there was good news as of today. The Turkish deputy Mehmet, Mehmet Simsek, yeah, I obviously am American and only speak English. Um, so that Turkish deputy said that Turkey, the world's largest refugee hosting co- country, is going to set up a tent city to accommodate up to 80,000 Syrian refugees fleeing Aleppo. So there's still refugees fleeing Aleppo, and they are going to try to accommodate, you know, as many as possible. Also, a Syria ceasefire apparently was brokered by Russia and Turkey and without U.S. involvement, and it was completed today. So what does the future hold? Only time will tell. And I have a caller who has been waiting on hold since, like, the beginning of the show, but all the information out there. And... and can the caller that is from number two zero seven six one eight? You are live. Hello. Hello. Hi. You know me already, uh, John Who Carpenter from to? your uh, from your uh, hi from your uh, your your blog uh, your your Facebook post. Yes, I know. I'm all about controversial stuff, huh? Well, you know, I I didn't know if you were actually going to get anywhere for a while, but boy, you sure did. You sure did at the end. That that lady, that Canadian gal, um, right, is such powerful stuff. She yeah. she she took him she took him to pieces like a watchmaker. Yes, and 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 that's why. I, and I saw that you're on hold, and I was like, God, I gotta get all the way to the end. I gotta get to that. I gotta get to that because the thing is. So many Americans. That's your I mean, that's your pay that's your payload right there. Right, but so many Americans believe everything they see on the news because why would the news? Oh, lie you set it up beautifully. You set it up beautifully right. to, to 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 lead them into that, you know, and then wham. <laughs> right. Well, and it's interesting you used to say that because I talk about all my you know whatever I'm covering on the show. I talk about it with a couple of my coworkers. And one of my coworkers today, I, you know, based on just so that the listeners can know, um, I posted something in um, on the Real Progressives uh, Facebook page, just saying basically, can somebody tell me what's so bad about Russia or why why it's a better idea to have a pissing competition with Russia rather than trying to get along with them? Um, because that thread I honestly, is so like long said, it won't even work anymore, hardly. The, the I know, people right? piled into that thread. It was huge. It's giant. Well, it's a touchy subject, and a lot of people. It is. Do, I, I mean, was, I mean, it's that's what we need. Right, religion and because politics that way you get race. you don't get you don't get just the echo chamber. You get people from opposite sides, and they they go tooth right. and nail. And that's we we need to do that. 
Right, and I am perfectly fine with people calling me names, especially if you're a stranger on Facebook. It's really easy to hide behind your computer. I don't care. People were saying I'm naive, I'm ignorant, this and that, and I'm like, well, I know I am. I mean, I'll admit that, so you're not telling me anything new. Like You're making a tremendous I, effort ask- to, to uh, ameliorate the problem. You're, you're, right. looking, you're look- looking and finding. You're finding stuff. Right. Like I'm, tr- I'm trying to find the truth. I can honestly say I am ignorant and naive enough to know that I I have ignored everything up until this year. So the only things I know basically about history or geography or politics or anything is basically from my own research that I've done this year. So, mm-hmm. and I kept saying, you know, in the thread last night when you would comment, I'm like, I'll just let you take this because you obviously know what you're talking about and I don't. Um, but I, I like knowing what I'm talking about if I'm going to talk on something. So I do, I mean, seriously, hours and hours and hours of research prior to any of the shows. Well, I mean, I would be fully. I would be suggesting, you know, historical references and things like that. But <clears throat> the power of Eva's testimony mm-hmm. is it's so it's so much. It's like this. It's like I'm out out in the front yard in the at noon on July 4th with a, with a light bulb, you know, and the light bulb, you can't even see it because the sun is so bright. That's how bright her testimony was. Right. I mean, and, and, you know, you really should watch all of it. I just took, I've seen, I've seen most of that. Oh, you have. It's a panel, right? It's like Joe, somebody and, and an Arabic guy. And uh, I've seen the whole thing, but I didn't, I didn't see the, the interview part. I didn't see the question from the, from the guy that, that was new to me that was the right. strongest part her answer to that question and wasn't it though and you know she if she you took the paint right off her, the chairs with that right like she looking at her she she did not look aggressive she did not look she didn't look like she had the spitfire in her and she just looked like she was passionate but then i mean she just threw it back at he him was attacking the people that she cared about over there yeah, yeah. That's what brought I mean, that brought the mother bear out in her. All right, I probably watched it four or five times. I was like, "You go, girl." I'm gonna go, go back and find that interview because that 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 yeah. question and answer because that's the part the power is. But just let me say a couple yes. of things. Um, yeah, go ahead. Al Qaeda. Where did Al Qaeda come from? I'll save you the time of asking. Um, Al Qaeda was created by Zbigniew Brzezinski in the. Uh, summer of 1979 it was a uh, it was just a bunch of 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 mercenaries that were gathered together in Pakistan and armed and i've got on on my blog uh, a picture of of Brzezinski showing uh, uh Osama bin Laden how to use a certain uh machine gun mm. and they put them in there and the soviets hadn't even come in yet and Brzezinski admits it in an interview with uh, Le Nouvel Observateur, a French uh, newspaper, in 1998, and he says, actually, we were in there before the Soviets came in with the idea that we would bait them in and give them their hmm. Vietnam. And so uh, wow. Al-Qaeda is a, is a CIA creation, just like the Contras were a CIA. You know the Contras were? I've heard of Under them. Reagan? Honestly, I don't know. Yeah. You know, they, I mean, we set them in. Them. We set them in to overthrow a regime that we didn't like in Nicaragua. And we, well, you know, that's our favorite thing to do is. Of course, it, well, it started with the Dallas brothers, but these the the CIA is not 
uh, created by <clears throat> soldiers. It's not created by academics. It's not created by politicians. It's not created by law enforcement people. It's created by Wall Street bankers and lawyers and brokers. If you look at the, at the history of the CIA, all of its leaders were Wall Street bankers, brokers, or lawyers like Alan Dulles. Hmm. And it, it is the private army of Wall Street. And it's not for us. It's for them to expand and, and protect their, their investments and, and their, their plunder all over the world. That's who the CIA is. It's a pernicious um, entity. And right now, uh, you know, like uh, Harry Truman wrote an article in, in the Washington Post in 1964 where he said, uh, I never, when I signed the, the uh, 1947 National Security Act, I never wanted uh, these, these guys doing this cloak and dagger stuff. I wanted people to give me information, not to go out and assassinate people. Because right. I think they ought to be reined in. But they never have been. They've just gotten stronger and stronger and stronger because they're not for us. They're for Wall Street. Well, not only that, but everything is so secretive with them that, you know, right. You they can, can they, they can don't have to tell you anything. Right. And I mean, I'll watch, you know, obviously, uh, you know, Hollywood does it up, but, you know, with all these spies and everything else, but there, there's got to be some grain of truth somewhere and just everything seems. So yeah, but there's a lot of falsehood so mixed in because they control right. the, they control the networks. They control yeah. the, the major media. And, you know, that's uh, uh, Frank Wisner, who was one of the three guys, and along with Dulles and um, uh, Wild Bill uh, Donovan, that created the CIA. Um, he used to call the, the, the media the great Wurlitzer, the mighty Wurlitzer, which he could hmm. program to, to play whatever he wanted. Yeah, and it's true. I mean, I am not paid. This is just a hobby for me. And I, like you did I, a I think fine job. I'm the, really impressed. Well, thank you. Thanks. I, I put in the Facebook, you know, post, I said, this is, in my opinion, this is kind of my form of community service because I'm not married. I don't have kids. And I, ha I make the time to do all of the research so that I can speak intelligently, so that I can know the whole story, both sides, or they say there's always three sides of any but you, know, your, argument. But your, your uh, instinctive methods of presentation were um, probably, you know, uh, more effective on the general populace <laughs> than mine would have been because I would have been kind of pedantic, you know. But you're yeah. <laughs> you're you're talking to people on their own level, and and well, I think it's, it was probably it's I'm very effective. It's, well, thanks. It's because I'm I'm clueless myself until I do all the research. I'm telling you, but I'm, you you're, I'm you're using thing. everything that you have. See, you're using your natural <laughs> I, I am. gift. Not, well, thank you. I I try. So I applaud um, what you're doing. Well, thank you. I'm glad to have gained a fan, and I appreciate all of your knowledge. I, I mean, I have no knowledge. Well, I want to share a bunch of things with you on Facebook because it's much easier with okay. pictures and videos and text. Yeah, that's true. So about going back to the CIA, maybe I should do a show on that because um, I have seen comments from people. I've never read any articles or anything, but comments from people – in some of the Facebook groups about how the CIA um, has something to do with distributing heroin or, or transporting heroin from Afghanistan well, to yeah, America. Well, yeah, in Vietnam. During Vietnam, uh, 
the, the CIA airline, which was called Air America, and if you may remember, there was a there was a left wing uh, radio network called Air America, but that was a, a joke uh, based on the CIA airline, which was famous for shipping heroin out of the Golden Triangle in Laos and in uh, Cambodia and, and Burma. Just tons and tons, because they never have enough money, you know. They sell weapons, they sell drugs, they sell, they do, Mm. you know, uh, they sell uh, children and all kinds of stuff. Right. God, that's sick. I mean, you know, they're as low as they go. Well, and all I know of the CIA is the movies and the TV I've seen, and like the covert ops TV show with the girl from um, Coyote Ugly, I don't remember her name, but she's the main character. Okay, <laughs> or covert affairs is the name of it. You're probably a smart man to not have a TV because I got I got rid of mine you. in 1980. I didn't oh I didn't need goodness. to pay people to lie to me. Well, that's true. Very true. But I, I, I watch a lot on well on the web. I've got a yeah. book right here called uh, "The Politics of Heroin: CIA Complicity in the Global Drug Trade" by Professor uh, hmm. Alfred W. McCoy. It's it's the book on the subject. Wow. You know, I'll send you a link I, I to did, it. Yeah, please do. I, I actually did a show on heroin, not necessarily really the the history of it or where it's coming from as much as how it's impacting Americans today because I found out well, and so you can go back and crazy. listen if you want. Well, <clears throat> I I'm I'm ignorant. I thought you had to shoot heroin into your veins. Apparently that is not the only way to well, you can smoke it, to, you can eat it. You can snort it, apparently. So, and I I learned all sorts of stuff, you know, and and reported in that show. It was fascinating to me because apparently I live in an area that's like the epicenter of, um, like, youth and young adult heroin addictions. Like, and it's a, it's a, I live in Alpharetta, Georgia. So I'm like, um, north of Atlanta, but there's like a, if you're looking, there's all these reports that have been done on it, because if you're looking at Atlanta, there's like an upside down triangle, everything pretty much like north of Atlanta is, is considered Well, there's a terrible um, outbreak in, in New England too. Oh yeah. I'm up here in Maine. Oh yeah, I know. And Vermont, apparently. Apparently yeah. it's really bad there too. And I know some areas there's a bad, you know, crystal meth and everything but I just I mean you don't understand I live in like an affluent area now my house is not like my the immediate vicinity around me is not super nice but I mean the house is right up the street from me the neighborhood started at nine hundred thousand dollars in another direction the houses start at four hundred thousand dollars like these are upscale wealthy people upper middle class people who send their kids to private school or even the public schools seem like private schools because they're so incredibly nice. So I live in this good area where, you know, it, it, it's a predominantly, you know, educated, it's not a ghetto. good area. No, these, these people are, are, yeah, these people are not, are not uh, victims of poverty. They're victims of boredom. Right. And so apparently what has caused a lot of the heroin problem was that a lot of the kids got a hold of their parents' prescription painkillers and got hooked on them. Oh, and oh yeah, well, the doctors, you know, the doctors get, get uh, uh, golf trips to back. Scotland for selling enough uh, drugs. Drugs are the uh, – right. pharmaceuticals are the biggest cash cow in the United States. Oh, yeah, I know. Oh, I know. 
And, so number one. And uh, that's, that's another thing I should do a show on sometime. I don't take any I, medicine. I did, well, I can't, I can't say I don't take any medicine, but uh, I'd love to say that, but I don't. But I take medicine. But um, if marijuana was legalized, I probably wouldn't take as much medicine. <laughs> it's legal. It just went legal up here in Maine. Yeah, it's not going legal in Georgia anytime soon. Oddly enough, no, probably not. I'm, or, I'm originally from Arkansas, and it is legal medically in Arkansas now. I mean, that blew mm-hmm. my mind. My, my my brother said the world is topsy turvy. It is like the deep south. They have more like it really is. They have more factions of the KKK than most other states that are still active. I mean, it's it's the deep south. It's the 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 right 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 wing, and the fact that it is legal there is amazing to me. Uh, you know, and, and my brother said Donald Trump is the president and marijuana is legalized in Arkansas. The world is topsy-turvy. <laughs> and, it's, <laughs> it's and it's so true. It won't be legalized in Georgia until it has to be. It, it's it's crazy, but it won't be anytime soon. But um, anyway, so, but the heroin show, I, I you know, it, it was interesting to me too. So you should listen to it sometime if you want. But, but are you aware? Um, really, are you aware uh-huh. that the biggest the biggest fine ever levied against a um, any institution was levied against HSBC Bank, the biggest bank in the world, really? uh, a billion dollar fine for guess what their their crime was laundering drug money from the from the Colombian cartel. Oh. Nice. That's, you know, that's who we're dealing gets, with. That's who we're dealing with. Right. It's it's a it's a it's a kleptocracy that rules this country. Yeah. And of course, all they got and was a know, slap on the wrist. They I mean, they lost two weeks income for that fine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, the we have. I mean, granted, I'm sure most drug dealers who are in prison right now. De- dealt more than just marijuana, but I'm also sure that there are some who were only arrested for possession or, you know, possession with intent to sell marijuana. And you do that three times and you're locked up for life, but you rape and right. murder somebody, but, but you, if you you're can in probably a get out prison, in about 10 years. Well, it shipped the drugs in with all the CIA connections are the same people that are heavily invested in the prison. So they're making money on both ends. Right. But the people who have who, nonviolent offenders who are in prison for selling marijuana, which is arguably a medicine. I mean, if you smoke anything, it's not good for you. Smoke is not good for your lungs. But, you know, people who sell cigarettes. Prohibition prison, so. didn't work no, on, with alcohol. Not. No, and it's not working and, with. And, well, it's working very well for the private prisons and for the CIA that ships the drugs in. Right. But you can rape and murder all the people, you know, somebody and be out in what, 10, 15 years. Yeah. But yeah. It's not, you, it's not it, sensible. You, you can't make sense bags? of it. You can't no, make sense of it unless you see what it's about. It's about the money. And thank you, Bill Clinton for, for that law. White people think that Bill Clinton did so much for them. Yeah, he did. Yeah. He, right. He helped imprison all of your <coughs> brothers and sisters. In it started with the Rockefeller drug laws in New York, but that's where it wound up, and Clinton was the one that nationalized it. He also is is um, 
to thank for a lot of our uh, problems with the medical or the pharmaceutical companies because he passed um, or he allowed a lot of laws to go through that like under his reign was where prescription drugs could start advertising on TV. It was illegal before his, his presidency. He legalized it. Um, I didn't know that. Oh yeah. It was illegal. And and the argument is that nobody's going to go ask their doctor for a medicine. Um, Really? Yeah, but that's, but that's, but people are so just are so indoctrinated now that they just parrot yeah. things they hear on TV. Right, and let me tell you something. You being a man, I mean, you hear about Cialis or Viagra, and you're like, "Hey, I'm gonna ask my doctor about that." I guarantee. I mean, there are people who are who I've done it before. I'm like, "Hey, I heard there's a new allergy medicine out, and my allergy medicine right now, I still sneeze a lot. So, you know, would this help me?" I mean, that's the only reason I know what the medicine is. Uh Uh-huh. If you walk around in Georgia in the summertime and you're bare feet, you can get hookworm, and that'll give you – that'll cure your allergies, and then you can get a a pill to to kill the worms. Because we've we've evolved with these creatures for a million years. They have enzymes that they use to shut off your immune system so you don't know they're there. And that damps down yeah. the because allergies is a uh, is an autoimmune hypersensitivity. Right. I don't. So want, I don't want hookworm. That, that's a little strong, though. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather just take my generic Zyrtec every day, yeah. even though it is a man-made chemical. I'm okay with that. Not yeah, it's having a little, it's a little uh, strong. A for little most extreme people. there. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you so much for calling in, and I really, I do respect and appreciate all of your knowledge because you just really. Well, I'm gonna, uh, I'm yeah. gonna, I'm gonna feed you some stuff and see what you think about because there's a lot of, yeah. of, of very powerful. But I just love the way you presented that. You, you really got a gift, I think. Well, thank you, thank you. I appreciate it. I certainly enjoy. I encourage I mean, I you. Enjoy... I encourage you very much to per, to pursue this. We need well, people like you. they're doing that take the trouble to do what you're doing. Well, and that's this, the, exactly we're being it, so we're being so propagandized. Yeah, we're being so heavily propagandized. Yeah, and I mean, honestly, that, I we, we got to fight back. If, yes, and I don't. Uh, I mean, my thing is, I don't have an agenda one way or the other. I just want to know the truth. I just want to know mm-hmm. the facts, mm-hmm. and then I can that's decide. Right. And I have lots of opinions. I have opinions on everything, like everybody does. So you don't have to agree with me, but I'm going to present the facts. And the fact, you know, and I want to know both sides of the story, and it's almost impossible to to get to the facts these days. You certainly can't do it by watching TV. You certainly can't do it by just reading articles from one or two publications. You certainly can't do it from just reading articles from American publications because. But what you can do. uh What you can do is if you if you seek enough. Um, a, a big enough variety mm-hmm. of uh, then you you can you can compare and you can find you can be satisfied that you have found uh, responsible um, right right representation well and, and that's exactly but you got to dig if, for if it I un- if you do have to dig for it but if you at least understand the perspective of the different sides of the argument 
then mm-hmm. you can kind of come to the commonalities between everything. But I have found that, and I hate to say this because, I, I mean, I do love America. I, I'm American born and raised. I've never lived anywhere else. But I have to say, you know, I, the American we have been We have suffered a coup. We have suffered a coup yeah. in this country yeah. about about, you know, 50 years ago, but it's been – um, bolder and bolder and bolder. When Kennedy Indeed. was killed, that was that was a a, a a very bold stroke by by the the deep state, what we call the deep state. Yeah, they took him out, and then yeah. um, you know uh, they wanted more, and and Reagan put in uh, the uh, the Rex uh, Rex eighty four. Uh, Policy that would give you the power, give him the power to, or the the president the power to overrule the constitution, uh, and and then and then you had the bombings in in '93 uh, at the uh, World Trade Center, which didn't didn't get them what they wanted, and so they then they yeah. went with the uh, Oklahoma City, and that didn't get them what they wanted, so they went with 9/11, and that got them what they wanted, the Patriot Act. Well, That's what they were I, looking well, for all along. Yeah. Well, we are about out of time, but I did want to say I, because of all the the feedback on Facebook on that thread about Russia next week, my show will be about Russia and Mm -hmm. whether Vladimir Putin is really as bad as everybody says, but thank you so much for calling in. Yeah, please do. And thanks so much for calling in. I appreciate it. Have a great night and and everybody have a nice life. Thanks. Bye-bye. Sure, take a first time, but it's got right so far.